We're in a series called Our Words Matter, and what we've been talking about is the fact that we've been given this kind of nuclear weapon, if you will, or this, this kind of power pack called our mouth. And um, for anyone who's been around long enough, um, you know, more than two weeks after you can speak, your mouth has probably got you into some trouble. And, um, and you know, oftentimes what we say is, I didn't mean to say that, or that just came out, you know, these types of things. And so what we've been talking about is to kind of look at our speech and look at our words with a new sense of uh, responsibility. And to, to, to understand that our words matter a lot. And they not only matter to those around us, they matter to God as well. And so what we've been kind of talking about is this verse, you know, the kind of main verse is in Luke 6.45. It says, The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks and so for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about, man, it's the reason we talk is because our heart is pushing those words up. And so when we say something like, I didn't mean to say that, what we're really saying is, I didn't want you to see that part of my heart. I didn't realize it was that ugly either. <laughs> and so when, when it gets to kind of come out in the front, um, and all those repercussions, we want to pull it back down. And really what we've been talking about and asking ourselves is the question we should ask before we speak is why do I feel that way? What's going on in my heart that makes me feel like I have to say that? I have to defend myself. I have to, um, you know, uh, be that aggressive or whatever. And so the thing we've been talking about for the last few weeks is this idea that if you want to control your mouth, control your heart and get in touch with what's going on, get in touch with um, the insecurities there. And, the, you know, did you feel disrespected? What's going on in my heart where I feel like I've got to say this? And the reverse is true as well, though. We can have really good stuff stored up in our heart. And those are the words that come out. Last week, we talked about gossip, which was one of the one of the bad ones, just to review, um, that we want to keep gossip, we want to keep talking to others as in as so small a circle as possible. We want to put an end to it. We want to stop it as fast as we can. Uh, we don't want that fire to spread. And so we went through a bunch of different rules we can kind of set up in our, in our mouth and in our mind that what, you know, we won't say this until we find out about these criteria. And if you hadn't heard that sermon, I really encourage you to get on the website and take a listen to it because what we found was that while we love gossip and we love to watch it on television, we love to engage in it, we love stories, God hates it and he wants us to take control of it. And so uh, I'd encourage you to, to listen to that one. So this, this morning, um, we're going to talk about something you can say. So last week, it was something you can't say, gossip. This is something you can say. Then next week, it'll be something you can't say. And the week after that, it'll be something you can say. It'll be a fun, little fun game. But um, you can't gossip. And so if we're trying to rein in our tongue, so we're not setting fires everywhere, uh, we won't have anything to say. And then now we're just stuck with all these words inside us, uh, and we're going to burst. We're going to talk this morning about the gospel and how we can 
share the gospel freely. And while gossip may have a small net and a small circle of influence, and we're trying to stamp it out as fast as we can, the gospel has a broad net. As a matter of fact, Jesus, when he picked the disciples, he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. You're going to cast your net out, and we're going to try and get as many people into the kingdom of God as we possibly can. I went on vacation this summer uh, to Big Bear, and I bought a fishing po- two fishing poles, uh, line, bait, uh, a bobber, um, uh, 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 hooks, and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't get one bite, not even a bite, not even a, not even a, I, I don't even think a fish even looked at the presentation. I plated it perfectly. It was beautiful. And, and the fish didn't even, there was nothing. As a matter of fact, Jesse and I were on the lake in a boat and there was all these carp in, in Big Bear. That's, they're like a, it's like rats, but like with, with flippers. Flippers is a dolphin. But anyway, it's, it's fins and, you know, going. And I, ca- I casted or cast my line in the middle of that whole group. Nothing, nothing, nada. So tomorrow we're getting in the car. We're driving up to Mammoth. And uh, I borrowed all of Aaron Mills' stuff, which like sonar and you know helicopters that check all this stuff out, and, and all these different things and technology and stuff. And I'm catching a fish. I'm going to catch a fish, and Jesse's going to catch one too. We're 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 stuck on this because because that's what you do when you fish. You want to catch fish. God has called us to be fishers of men, and yet when it comes to the gospel, there's something that feels weird about it. And, and really the question we ask ourselves is, can't we just live our lives spiritually by ourselves? Like, I, I get that. I'll do all that kind of stuff. I'll tithe. I'll read my Bible. I'll, 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 I, I won't uh, uh, think bad thoughts. Or that, but to share the gospel, I mean, why, why can't I just kind of make it for me? You make your thing for you, and then we just all kind of get along. And, and really, our culture today... It, is in, is in agreement with that. I mean, really, our culture right now is pretty tolerant of all these different faiths as long as you keep it to yourself. Why can't we do that? It's way more comfortable. You know, the fact that you're sitting there on a bus and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit starts telling you to start up a conversation with someone, you're just like, I just want to get home and watch the game. Like, it, 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 you know, that's just natural. It's human nature. Why do I have to say something? What we're going to do this morning is look at a story that Peter and John went through where Peter answers that question right dead in the middle of the story. And he answers it not only for him, but he answers it for you and for me. And, 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 and we're going to see some hints in there on how we can effectively uh, share the gospel with people, not out of fear, not out of a feeling of I have to or I want to, but naturally, normally, just we share what God is doing. It's found in Acts chapter 4. Um, it's, a, it's a long story, so I'm going to sum it up, and, I'll, and, I'll, and then we'll start reading um, right when we get to a certain spot. But what happened was um, Peter and John were going to the temple. This is after Jesus died and was resurrected. And about 500 people saw Jesus after he died. They saw him in the flesh. They saw him eat. They saw him walk. They saw him uh, do other trippy stuff, like just show up through walls, which would be the coolest thing ever if you're like in a room 
And then Jesus is just like, hey, how's, you know, do not be afraid. That's why this Jesus is big thing because he pops in everywhere. So maybe that wouldn't be that cool. Anyway, but it, it, it's amazing. They, they saw Jesus. There's all these witnesses. And so Peter and John are living, listen to this, they're living in the reality of what it's like to believe in a resurrected Savior. And so they're going to the temple, which is kind of weird because the people in the temple were the people that killed Jesus, their friend. And so I don't know what that was like, to walk into the temple, it was about three o'clock for this particular story, and it was in the hour of prayer, and, and to like walk around the temple and just kind of see the people that killed Jesus, and you're like, hey, how's it going? You know, we're good, right? I mean, we, and he rose from the dead, so I guess it, it wasn't a big deal, so, you know, it, it's cool, right? We're all cool. And so they're in there, the, the, the holy of holies, the veil was ripped from top to bottom, so maybe they're all trying to like put it back together. I don't know what's happened at the temple, but I know that John and uh, Peter are there, and they go through this gate called Beautiful, and there's a man who's been lame or crippled for 40 year, over 40 years. And he's been sitting there for a long time, and everybody knew him. He can't walk, and in that day, that's how you made money. You begged, and every little thing you made, it was not a will work for food. It was, you are, you're done. There's no, there's no Obamacare. There's nothing. You are at the beautiful gate, and the only way you're going to make money is if people give it to you. And so Peter and John walk up, and it says it's so cool. The Bible, you guys got to read your Bible. It's so cool. Peter gazes at him. It's like, I don't know, I don't know if he gazed for a long time, but like when I think of a gaze, it's like he's looking him right in the eye. And he says, I don't have any silver and I don't have any gold. I got something, I got something even better. He says, In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And not only that, he then the Bible says, seizes him, <laughs> right? Like, you know, grabs him by the hand. And yanks him up. Now, that is totally different than the prayers we pray today, right? Like we pray, you know, oh, there's that, there's that lame guy, you know, Lord, you know, if it's your will, would you bring healing to his life or, you know, move the doctor's hands in such a way that, you know, he can get and, you know, help him out. And if not, Lord, you're in control and all this kind of stuff. Peter's just like, in the name of Jesus, get up. He grabs him, pulls him up. And the guy not only is healed, his legs are strengthened so much that he can run around and jump up. Well, people freak out. I mean, You'd freak out if you were there. And so the temple, everyone in the temple starts coming around Peter and John. And I can just imagine all the Pharisees and like, you know, elders and rulers of the law and the Sadducees like, will this ever end? Can you guys just go away? I mean, come on. Okay, enough. Stop. You know, Jesus is gone. Do your thing. Just get out of here. You're bothering us. It's, It's almost like just do your thing somewhere else. Start another religion. You do something. Get out of here. It just keeps going on and on. So Peter seizes the opportunity to share the gospel with all these people. And he does it in a way that's not very sensitive. And he says, guys, what, what are you thinking? You think we did this? It's by the power of the name of Jesus Christ that this person's walking right now. And then, he, and then he goes in this thing, remember Jesus, who you crucified? Like, it's like, man, that's cold. But he's just like, hey, he's just going out. He's like, well, God raised him from the dead. And this is the power in which we're operating right now. This is the kingdom that has come right now. And so the rulers and the elders and the uh, 
uh, chief priests and the uh, temple guard come and they grab Peter and John and they put him in jail because it was getting late and it was time to shut everything down. So they spend the night in prison. And these guys are trying to figure out what are we going to do? How are we going to uh, you know, deal with this, with this whole thing? And so Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, the high priest before him, a guy named John, a guy named Alexander, um, the rulers, they all get together and they say, we have got to stop this. The problem is there's a guy who is healed and you don't just pretend that didn't happen. I mean, he's right there. So they come to Peter and they say this, by what name or authority are you doing this? That wouldn't be my question. My question would be like, how'd you do that? <laughs> that was cool. Like, that was really neat. What, what'd you do? How'd you do it? I'd like, to, I'd like me some of that. I got some people that I'd like to he- be able just to do all that. They say, by what name, what authority? Now watch what Peter says, and I want you to catch this because it's super important. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, not Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, drew his sword and hacked the people to pieces. Or Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, took a fireball and, you know, threw it. Or, you know, he spoke. And you see this all through Scripture. Zechariah, when um, he, uh, uh, when John the Baptist was born, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to prophesy. You see at the day of Pentecost, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in tongues. Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, rebukes somebody. Like this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit, there's this speaking. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And in this case, it was the Holy Spirit that had filled Peter's heart with boldness and joy and strength. And now Peter can't help but say something. So, Peter says, Rulers and elders of the people... And then he gets kind of sarcastic with him. If we are being called on account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, comma, it's just kind of like, oh, oh, you guys want to know the act of kindness that we did and you'd like to know how, how we went about it. And he says this, this incredible, incredible statement. And we're starting to get to the hint of why we have to say something then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Then he sticks in another jab again, whom you crucified, right? But whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. See, there's something about it being part of a name. If it were something else, if it were some type of thing that is intangible, but it's the name of Jesus. He says, know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you. And then what he does is he quotes a scripture that they all knew, that they had to memorize. It was Psalm 118.22. Okay, and so Peter takes that psalm that they would have 
understood, known, memorized, and when they memorized it, they would have thought it had to do with someone else besides them. Don't you do that too? I do the same thing. I'll memorize a verse and go, that's a really good one. And God's like, yeah, why don't you try applying it to your life sometime, right? And so like, like I think it's for someone else. Like, it, like you know, oh, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that. Next time someone asks me a question, and God's like, I got a question for you. How about you apply it, you see? And so Peter does this. He goes back to Psalm 118, 22, and he says this, and then he personalizes it to him, just because he's Peter. It's awesome, right? The stone you builders rejected which has become the cornerstone. He is that stone. If you were a builder, you would have this one kind of capstone or cornerstone or anchor stone. And it's like you were building a wall and you went through your stones and went, ah, this one's useless and threw it behind you. And then the master builder came and said, what'd you throw out the cornerstone for, dummy? That's the cornerstone. It's like um, if you ever follow sports, Michael Jordan, they, they, he didn't make the basketball team in high school. Like, they, they threw out Michael Jordan. Like who does that? How, how do you, you have Michael Jordan can be on your basketball team, and you decide not to have him on your basketball team? It's the same type of thing. He would have been the cornerstone of your basketball. You probably would have been undefeated. They had to wait another year, and then finally he makes it on there, and you think to yourself, Boy, that was stupid. He was really good. This is the same thing. Jesus, they threw Jesus out. This is ridiculous. This is not, he's not fulfilling the law. He's going against the Sabbath. This is crazy. And Peter's going, you just threw out the cornerstone. And then here's the kicker. And this is, this is the reason why we speak the name of Jesus. This is why it's so important for us to be able to share freely what it's like to be saved, what it's like to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father through what Jesus did on the cross. Peter says this, and, and it's, it's, it's sobering what he says. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. There's no plan B this, this given to men is, a, is the perfect tense. It, it means that it's been given once for all and will not be repeated. This is it. Jesus is it. That name, Jesus, the only way to go. Well, now, if we're the ones with the story, if we're the ones with the name of Jesus, that we have the name of Jesus on our lips, holding that back means they don't know they don't get to hear the name of Jesus. It's the only name. And so we can dance around it. And I don't know if you're like me, but, but sometimes this happens to me. I can talk about God all day long. I feel pretty comfortable talking about God. I can talk to people about a relationship with God. I can be on a bus. I can talk about spiritual things. I can talk about the soul and eternity and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes right down to it, like brass tacks, it's when you say the name Jesus that has the biggest impact, positive or negative. I was washing my car the other day, and um, this guy was playing some Marvin Sapp uh, in, his, in, in his car. And if you don't know Marvin Sapp, he's a gospel singer. He's awesome, just awesome. And uh, he's an African-American guy. And so and he just had it cranked. And so I, I yelled up to him. I said, uh, 
I said, turn it up, you know, and uh, he like looked at me like, what the heck, you know, what, what would you know, you know, and, and so he goes, do you love Jesus? And I'm like, not so loud, bro. <laughs> Gospel music's cool, but yelling Jesus at the top of your lungs when there's like houses all around here, let's not go crazy, right? There's something about Jesus. And I said I did, okay, so don't look at me like, you know. <laughs> I was like, I'll see you later, crazy Jesus freak, you know, take out. Yeah, I did, I, 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 you know, yeah, I was like, yeah. So we, we talk, after that, we talked and stuff like that. But, but the, isn't it true that there's something about Jesus? You could talk about God, you could talk about prayer, the Bible, you could talk about Bible study, whatever, but when you just say, you know what, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, you're kind of a little cuckoo there. Here's the problem. There's no other name. There's nothing else. There's no other way to say it. Like, you can't say, you know, um, yeah, you know, the guy, the cross thing with the thing and the resurrection and the tomb. You mean Jesus? Oh, man, no, let's try and say it without. You can't. There's no other name. Peter just kind of puts the kicker right in there. Salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven and earth by which we're saved. Man, you know why we have to talk about Jesus? You're not going to come to that conclusion on your own. You're not going to be sitting under a tree and go, you know what? I look around, it really makes sense that we need Jesus. Someone has to tell you. Someone had to tell you about Jesus. Someone had to tell you about your sins. Someone had to tell you about the resurrection. You don't just come to that conclusion looking up in the stars. Now, God gives us some revelation in that, but... Not Jesus, not that name. There's, there's no other name. So, so he's like, Peter's on fire right now. And then, and then they, they, here's what they say. It's so cool. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. Now watch again. And they took note that these men had been with who? Jesus. See, I look around this church, I love this church, you guys are all special and wonderful, but there's nobody really here that's like super, super, super special, like, like you're going to be an astronaut or something like that. We're all kind of this ordinary people, right? Okay? We're all just, now young kids, you can do whatever you want, you, 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 dream, dream big, but for the adults, right, right? It's, it's like, it's like, you know, when you get into your 40s and your 50s, like, you know, you just start ticking off the dreams, you know, oh, like, oh, oh, okay, like football player, ah, you know, it's like, it's like a reverse bucket list, all the things you'll never do, you know, you know, put on socks without pain, ah, you know, I wish I could do that, right, and so, so it's like we're all kind of ordinary in, in one way or the other, and, 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 and I know I'm crushing some of you right now, and that's it, right, so yeah, we all have hopes and dreams. You know, I'm, I'm probably never going to have a house in Naples and, and have a boat that I can get out there and just kind of like row around. I, you know, I crossed it off. Last year was my last year that I, I crossed it off. But here, here's the thing. So, so we're all kind of just going, but when you add Jesus into the mix, See, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when, you, when you've got the power of God working through you, then it's that those ordinary things become extraordinary because the kingdom of God is present. 
There's something about Jesus being at the dinner table with your family when you're eating. There's something about Jesus that when you're, 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 you're coaching a soccer team and there's some kid and, and you're just, you know, God is there and you're speaking words of encouragement and there's, there's something. Okay, here's the thing. There's something about our ordinary lives that become eternal when we add Jesus to it. And people notice and people recognize it. And that's what they noticed. And so they got together. They said, man, these, these guys have been with Jesus. So they get together and they say, they're, they're, they're in a quandary. And they're talking amongst themselves. And they say, hey, we can't deny that a miracle take, took place, guys. We can't just forget that. The people are freaking out. It says earlier in the story that 500 people believed in Jesus' uh, name after that happened. 500. The Bible's all about numbers, right? 500 people at the name of Jesus. And so, so they go, well, here, here's, what, here's what we're going to do. So they say this. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to heal anybody anymore. Uh, not to draw attention to themselves. Uh, not to, uh, you, know, you know, not to speak or teach about that name anymore. It's the name. It's Jesus. Don't, don't talk about it anymore. You want to go home? You want to have a Bible study at your house? Go for it. You, you want to you wanna start your own like little sect religion? Uh, you can call it Christianity. You have your own little thing. Go, go do that. But don't, don't be coming in the temple and teaching about Jesus. And watch what Peter says, and we'll get a, a, a little um, uh, closer to what, uh, why we have to say it. But Peter and John replied, and again, using a little bit of sarcasm, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. So, so in other words, it's kind of like if we were to say it today, I'd be like, oh, oh, okay, cool. Sorry, I was following God, but now that you're here, I guess I'll just listen to what you have to say. That's a good idea. Th- thanks. You know, judge for yourself. So I should follow you instead of God? You know, obviously it's a rhetorical question. No, follow God, but it's just another way Peter's just like, bam, this is really cool, okay? Now watch. This is the key, watch. For we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. Like, in other words, you can talk all day about all these things, like, you know, you can argue with somebody uh, about, you know, the Bible and is, it, is the Bible really true or not and all this kind of stuff. But when it comes down to it, it's that powerful name of Jesus and how it's transformed my own life. I can't stop speaking about what I've seen and heard. I, I, I can't, you can't say don't, you can't say to me, you didn't see that. <laughs> you didn't hear that. Well, I, I did. I, I can't help it. I've seen marriages healed. I've watched people in just mired in addiction just be set free by the name of Jesus as they, as they move into a relationship with him. I can't not have seen that. Like, you know, my son, you know, we, all of, most of us know that he has epilepsy. And so, you know, uh, you go through hundreds of seizures and, and, and all this kind of stuff. And then you have all the doctors telling you, hey, it's a, it's a really stubborn form. You, this is the way it's going to be. It's just going to have to be this way. You know, you, you fail six medications. You got to just, you just got to go with it. And so, you know, we had a little stint there for a couple weeks and, you know, no seizures. And then, you know, we go to the epileptologist, one of the top in the country, and she just said flat out, 
Don't get used to it. You, you can't sustain it. It's, this is the way it's going to be. Unless it goes six months, don't even get your hopes up. August 28th was six months, right? I can't, it's awesome. I can't not experience that. I can't like not speak about what I've seen and what I've heard as we've prayed and prayed and prayed. How do you not see that? How do you not hear that? This is exactly what Peter's saying. Guys, we saw him resurrected. We saw the power of, of his name and what it's doing. And you and I, we, we've seen it. And, and, and just looking around this, this church family, we've seen great stuff that's happened in the name of Jesus. You can't stop talking about it. That, that wasn't just for us to be private. Because here's the thing. What I've noticed in my own life, I want to see more and more and more. And I want to hear more and more and more. I, I want to see miracles happen here. I want to see all this kind of stuff. I want to hear the stories, not, but I still don't want to speak. And I wonder if in my own life, God has withheld me seeing and withheld me hearing because I wasn't willing to speak it. I, I wonder if sometimes in my own life, I, that, that idea of not wanting to speak shuts a door for something that God might want to do more and more. I wonder if Peter, with that boldness of gazing into that guy's eyes and saying, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk, I wonder if that happened because he, would, he was ready to see it all, ready to hear it all. He just says, I, I, I can't. He knows it's weird. He knows it's a trip. So they get done and they tell him, don't do that anymore. And, you know, Peter and John are just like, whatever, you know, and they, they go and they go pray. They get with all their believers and they tell them the story about this lame guy who is over 40 years old and he's been at the gate beautiful there and he's healed, they tell him. And so they pray. You know what they pray for? It just blew my mind when I read this. Like of all the things you'd pray for, this would be the thing that I'd imagine they wouldn't have to pray for. He says, now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. He just told all the rulers that they crucified Jesus and essentially they don't even know who God is. That's about the boldest thing you can do. He told a whole bunch of people in the temple, hey, guess what? You guys crucified Jesus. That's pretty bold. And yet Peter and John are praying, we want to be bold. We want to be bold. We want to be bold. You know what that tells me? It tells me that that's something that needs to be on the forefront of my mind. That constant, no matter how bold I get or whatever, that I need to be going back. Because why? Why was Peter able to speak? Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Not because he just walked in with a sandwich board and red hair and a, and a bullhorn and said, I'll show you bold. No, it was an out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth spoke. And he just said, oh man, are we talking about Jesus? Oh man, let me tell you something. And so he's praying, God, give us, give us boldness. And it's so cool because after they prayed, the place where they uh, were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what they did? It says in the Bible, after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke. It says they spoke the word of God boldly. They said, God, give us boldness. And the place shook and they went out and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke boldly. Man, 
Isn't that the kind of relationship with Jesus you want, where it's so real that you just can't help but speak it? I know I do. I want to I read one other section of Scripture um, real quick, because Paul wrestled with this too, and he was talking to the church in Romans, and he said this, But how are they to call on the one in whom they've not believed? How are they going to call on someone they haven't believed in yet? Okay, this is the argument Paul's starting to make. And how are they to believe in one of whom they've never heard? That hearing comes by someone else speaking. How are people going to come to Christ if they never hear about Jesus? And how are they going to hear about Jesus unless I talk about what Jesus is doing in my own life? And then he goes on. And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? The answer that Paul's trying to get the church in Rome to understand is they can't. Here's the problem. If they can't hear, or they can't believe because they didn't hear, and the name of Jesus is the only way under heaven and earth by which men get saved, where's the bottleneck? It's in my own life and my own disobedience and sharing my faith. Now again, this isn't a, a guilt trip thing. This is me questioning my heart. Remember, if you want to control your words, you control your heart. Well, my, the words aren't coming out. Why? That might be a heart issue. Maybe I'm fearful. Well, that's good to know. Maybe, 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 I'm, maybe I haven't seen enough lately or haven't heard enough because I haven't risked enough. And so I got nothing to say because God hasn't really done anything because I've never risked anything. I'm comfortable. That's something that really good for me to know, to hear in my own heart. You see what I'm saying? So watch what it says. This is so cool. And as, we, as the worship band comes back up, to just hear this idea. You know, when we talked about gossip, we talked about the power of that gossip being like a, fire, a, a, a forest fire, not a forest fire, a, a, for, a forest fire, right? And the power of that. Listen to this, okay? I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then the Gentile. You talk about powerful words. The good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the best words you could come out of your mouth. It's the power of God. We could speak the power of God. It goes on to in in, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. Here's the thing. It's, it's hard when you're talking foolishness to somebody and trying to convince them that it's not foolishness. It's difficult. And you may be putting your line in all the time and you were just like me at Big Bear, nothing. And finally you're just like, I'm just going to beat a fish over the head, you know, and just, I'm finally going to get my fish. Or maybe God's got something else going on. 